it's the next level. And in a timely fashion. Here it comes. And do not attempt to use a computer for anything else other than the entering of the code. This is its only function. The isolation that attends the duties associated with Station 3 may tempt you to try and utilize a computer for communication with the outside world. This is strictly for you. Attempting to use a computer in this manner will compromise the integrity of the project and, worse, could lead to another incident. I repeat, do not use a computer for anything other than entering the code. Welcome, Survivors, into another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited. From the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Podcastica Network, I am Kristen Howe. Uh, this week, we are covering Season 2, Episode 9, What Kate Did of our Lost Series Rewatch. Yes, and we are... This is Episode 9, so we're not to the halfway point yet of Season 2, but we're getting there. We are, we're Things are cooking. Yeah, and a lot of it inside of a tent on the beach, which is uh... <laughs> the tent is a rocking. Don't come a knocking. <laughs> yeah, can we just talk about that just real quick? Jin with his shirt off. When did he start lifting the weights, man? <laughs> I, that, I, he had like an eight pack when he came out of that tent. Hey, man, that bamboo's heavy when you're building a raft. Yeah, that's probably true. It's a Purely protein diet with just fish. Yeah. And sea urchin. Fish and mango and sea urchin. So it's, uh, it, you're right, a protein diet with heavy lifting from that, uh, from building that raft. And that's probably where that, where that came from. He came out of that tent and I was like, okay, gin. <laughs> nice. Is it bad that like uh, the moment he came out of that, 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 uh, the tent with, you know, with a shirt off, a big smile on his face, I'm just like, porn music is playing in the background. Hurley's <laughs> in the background going, yeah, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great moment, too, when, he, when you just see him, like, giving him, like, that thumbs up and that little nod, like, <laughs> yeah. I know what's going on. He's like, I'm in the next tent over, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like hearing your parents going that. That's weird. I know. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, but just so you, just, <laughs> you know what? Real, I'll mention this real quick, and then we're just going to jump into it since we're already talking about it. Um, quick note on the format of the podcast. This is a spoiler-full podcast. So you will hear spoilers from previous things that have happened as well as things that will be happening in the future of the series. Uh, but we are going to talk about our top five or just five points we're going to bring to the table for this episode last minute notes as well and if you don't mind i actually want to start it off because i want to jump into that scene there is something this will be my, my first shirtless one. gin yeah sure no. let's continue it <laughs> well perfect there's something there actually is something as as fun as that scene is to watch <laughs> because of that there is a very very immediate contrast of happiness to sadness in that scene. Oh, I loved that. 
I loved that. Yeah, sing it. Uh, I mean, there is, you know, we the episode opens with Jin coming out of that. We get this happy reunion. You know, Sin comes out and wraps her arms around Jin. We get Son. that. Oh, God. I do that all the time. Sin is the couple name, not her name. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, Sun comes out. Oh, wrap- Jun. Oh, Jun, yeah. Jun Sin too. sounds like they're a bad couple. Well, no, they're not bad. Uh, but, you know, Sun comes out, wraps her arms around Jin. Uh, we get that moment of levity with Hurley. And then immediately Jin looks over and Sun. we... No. Oh, it was Sun. That's right. God, I'm really... Let's just hit reset. I got you. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, uh, Sun looks over and you see Saeed digging a grave for Shannon. It is such an immediate contrast, again, of happiness to sadness, just in the opening scene of of this episode. Well, the return of Jin means that, you know, means that a tragedy also struck. So while, you know, Bernard and Rose are getting down in their tent and Jin and Son are happy in their own tent and, you know, Libby probably is looking for some clothes that aren't ripped now yeah and you know echo and john are on their little bromance beginning you know poor saeed all of this means that you know saeed is is bearing shannon and yeah you're right there's there's that tragic underbelly that that's kind of hard to ignore yeah there's it, it means that they're while the two of them are happy and there are happy reunions happening on this island right now between mm-hmm. people they happened because of tragedy Ugh. I know. You know, and it's it's really of uh, the un <clears throat> excuse me the underbelly is a good way to put that as you did uh, because that's it's the underlying message of all the happiness mm-hmm. is that it didn't come without a price. <clears throat> so, uh, what about you? What's your first point that you're going to bring? Well, I since we're just kind of talking about um, reunions and stuff like that, I I'd like to talk about. Echo and John Locke for a second. Sure. Um, these two, I feel, were like kind of meant for each other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree with that. You know, last week we got a little taste of just kind of like how their two personalities are very similar and they kind of go together. And this week, what I love is you know, John has always been kind of like the quiet one and the one who kind of moves in and out of the group and he has his own thing going on. And I think John's been kind of put aside for a second because he sees that there's that echo has an even more mysterious quality to him. You know, he really doesn't say much. He's, he talks in riddles. He, he has a lot of, um, he seems to have a lot more faith than John Locke does, which really says something. Yeah, because John is full of it, full of faith. Yeah, but I love it that John and Echo both share this quality that they're just kind of up for anything. You know, Michael is going around going, there's blast doors here, and let me check out this equipment, and what exactly is happening, and hoo-ha-ha. <laughs> and, and John and Echo are like, well, I guess this is our day, so let's go watch the video, and blah, blah, blah. Like, they just kind of go with the flow. I would be, every single day, I would just have this surreal how is my life on an island in a hatch? Now I'm looking at an old video and I'm splicing it together. Meanwhile, there's a tea kettle. I just came from this Lord of the Flies experience across the island. I'm still, I still haven't showered. I've got this stick. Like, 
there, there's just this like, I guess this is my day today kind of a- attitude from both of these characters. And my favorite scene with them is, oh, gosh, it was anything that they did in this episode. <laughs> I, I will say that um, Echo and Locke are really my favorite uh, storyline of this episode. I didn't like the A story too much. I love the B story. And that's, you know, this relationship that we're watching uh, between Locke and Echo and and the video and just kind of watching them not get to know each other, but really kind of size each other up. Yeah. And that story, you know... <laughs> Echo just sits there. He's like, I'm going to tell you a story. Let me start from the beginning. And he starts telling the story. <laughs> and Locke's like, oh, you're starting from the beginning, beginning. <laughs> wow, you weren't, you weren't kidding. <laughs> but, you know, he hands him the Bible. And Locke, you know, he seems a little dubious about it at first. And then when he opens it, I loved the, look the on fact his face. that Echo blew John Locke's mind. Yeah. Because he's been so accepting of everything. He's just been like, you know, okay, this is my life. This is what's going on. And then, like, his eyes almost <laughs> fell out of his skull <laughs> in that moment. And, um, and then you kind of saw the stark difference between the two of them. Like, John is just like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. Like, what are the odds? You're on this side and I'm on this side. And this was actually made and then was spliced. It was taken apart and I was back together. Like, and he, he like, like almost like he had a line of cocaine and then a shot of espresso. <laughs> like, life is inside John Locke right now. And, and Echo's just looking at him like, um, I don't think we're on the same page anymore. <laughs> like he, and he had that great line, uh, don't mistake coincidence for fate. I'm so glad you said that because that was actually my next point. Cool, then go for it. Uh, yeah, well, I want to go back real quick and just, uh, uh, you're right. I didn't really put that together. In I, I loved the look on John Locke's face when he opens the book and he sees you know the film that's in there. But you're mm-hmm. right, That's that's a particular moment that I didn't really put into contrast the way you did in that this is a man who relatively has not been surprised by much of anything at all. And that one moment we get to see that look and you're right. Like for someone who's never been surprised before, he is downright in awestruck because of that. Like if he was an emoji, he'd be the mind blowing up. Yes. Or, or, Or the Chris Pratt from parks and rec. Like (laughs) mouth gaped open, you know. Yeah, exactly. uh (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I want to go back to that line because that line to me, I have that particular line like in all caps and quotations because don't mistake coincidence for fate. That to me over the course of this entire episode, that was the one line that stuck out more than any other line of dialogue. And not just because it pertains to this episode, but that is a line of dialogue that I think a lot of people in life need to take. Um, there are too many people in this world that think that because something happens, it was destined to happen. And I don't want to take away faith or anything like that from people by what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying people shouldn't have faith in, in things that happen. But there are way too many people in this world that chalk things up to fate when they shouldn't. And I'm one of them. I've done it before, too. Like, oh, this was destined to happen. No, it's probably just coincidence. But, you know, run with it. Keep the faith and and go with it. But that, to me, was the most powerful line of dialogue from this entire episode. 
was don't mistake coincidence for fate. Well, and you could you could you're right. You could take this entire episode and you can you you can use the coincidence versus fate theme. You know, you have Kate uh, trying to figure out you know this black horse thing, which I'm which you are going to talk about later. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you have you know just the odds of the island just all together. I mean, what are the odds? What what is um, what are the odds of the fate of the Tailies versus the Losties? You know, and and it's just it's it's a really interesting concept. I'm sure that if we were to break down this series as a whole and look at coincidence versus fate, um, and how that goes together, I'm sure that that would be a really interesting project. Yeah, yeah, it would take a lot of time too, though. Um, but you know, it's something that we could look into a little bit later on as well. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that you brought that line up because that Thanks. was um that was my next point was I wanted to bring up that line in particular more than anything else. But you're right. I think the dynamic of, you know, going back to your point, I, I think the dynamic of John Locke and Mr. Echo <coughs> excuse me, man, I'm I don't know if I'm getting sick or what. But it's it's one of the most intriguing relationships uh between two people on at, and in the very least in this episode. And yes, it's just it's fun to while it's so intriguing and mysterious, it's also just fun to watch. Uh, well, Echo is a magnetic character. Yeah. You cannot take your eyes off of him if he's on the screen. When he starts talking, I'm just like, everybody shut up. <laughs> you know, he just has that quality to him. And and uh, and you mentioned that one line too when when Echo says to John, "I'm going to tell you a story, and if you don't mind, I'm going to start at the beginning." And you know, John says, "Okay," and he does. He starts at the beginning of before, not of he doesn't life. he doesn't <laughs> even start at, you know, yeah, like in the beginning, the earth was you know the uh, yeah. you know he doesn't start at the beginning of the the Old Testament. He starts before the testament no no, no. he the starts before christ yes. yeah he goes long before christ yes and, I, and when he said that i'm like oh okay here we go <laughs> yeah and john's and john's reaction to that is perfect like wow you weren't kidding uh, <laughs> you know which is just fantastic well and you know they both have this quiet uh polite demeanor about them too like you know Locke likes to listen to people and that's how i think he developed a relationship with walt and with claire and even with charlie and and boone in the first season you know he just kind of like did his own thing he did it uh you know but he was very polite about it i mean jack was a jerk to him because jack's a jerk but <laughs> to people that weren't you know automatic automatically antagonistic to him he just kind of took them in and he just you know helped like he built he helped uh claire build a cradle without telling her this is what we're doing he's like hey i have a project you want to work on it blah 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 and they and they got to know each other that way you know you see mr echo and he has a lot of the same qualities uh mr echo you know he's a real scary looking dude he's huge he is huge he has big stick he has ripped up clothes he is a scary looking dude yeah but and so when he says, I would like to watch the video and everybody's staring at him and he goes, if you don't mind. Yeah. And <laughs> it's that if you don't mind, that's I mean, you no harm. It's I just want to, you know, I want to I'm intrigued by this because I'm sure that he he knows that that film is in there. And so when John said, oh, there's a video, I'm sure Echo was like, what, what? 
<laughs> I have a video. <laughs> well, and, and what makes it so more so much more intriguing even now is you know you watch this dynamic of Mr. Echo. And how you're right. I mean, he's the kind of person where I, I like this. It, it's what I like to say is you would never want to come across in a dark alley mm -hmm. because he's very intimidating. <clears throat> but he always <clears throat> follows up everything he says with that softer side. Like you said, the the key words, if you don't mind, you're right. Mm -hmm. he's, he's showing that, you know, I, I mean, you know, harm, as you said. And then it, what really gets you is. You you have this because we have yet to have a backstory of Mr. Echo. You don't know who this person was before this. That's the next episode. Yes. So it's, it, you know, it's that situation of, uh, you know, who is this person? Like, why is he the way he is? Was he a businessman? Whatever. And then you find out who he was. And it's such a contrast in who he is now compared to who he was. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, li I literally, I, I can't wait. I, I almost, I almost watched ahead today, but I didn't have the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get to talk about that next week. And it's, it's Yay! so, it's so great uh, mm -hmm. to talk about that. So, and it's, it's fun too. Cause you know, you mentioned how fun it is for these two characters to interact with each other. And it, it, it would almost be to the point where I wonder what a spinoff between these two would have been like. Lock and echo, <laughs> tromping through the jungle, solving crime and the black monster. Solving crime. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So that was your first point. Um, uh, my oh no, and then I talked about mine. So what's your what's your second point for the? So I wanted to uh, just, it's real quick, but I thought that it was really interesting that the jungle has become its own character. Uh, that's just kind of solidified. It, we've been watching the jungle just pop up here and there, but it seems that in the past couple of episodes, and especially this episode, um, you know, well, the past couple of episodes, actually, I would say, um, the jungle has become just its own separate character. You know, it's affecting Everyone, Saeed and Kate are questioning their sanity because of what they're seeing in the jungle. Ana Lucia shot Shannon because of what she heard with the whispers and the rustling in the jungle. You know, Sh uh, Shannon was running towards the whispers and towards Walt because of what she saw in the jungle. Kate, um, Kate and Sawyer saw this horse um, that... You know, who knows if anybody else saw that horse, really? Yeah. Well, um, well I have some. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm saving it for last. Is, yeah, that's yeah. fine. But, but, you know, what I'm saying is who knows who actually did see that horse. If it was just for Kate, if it was just for Kate and Sawyer, if Sawyer was channeling Wayne, so that's why he gets to see the horse. Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so you've just got all of these crazy elements to this jungle and it's affecting everybody, and I just love it. It's like um, in, it's like in Brooklyn Nine Nine when when they're talking about Sex in the City and how New York is the fifth character, um, of Sex in the City. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but I kind of see, you know, the jungle is now the quote unquote fifth character of Lost. Well, I think that happens in a lot of different series as well. I mean, you mentioned Sex and the City and how New York is is the character. But, I mean, I think the same thing can be said of Friends. Uh, I think New York, uh, if nothing else, Central Perk could be considered another character. I mean, the show is not the same if it was somewhere else. 
you know, it changes the whole dynamic. I think any series where you remove the series from that from that environment and move it somewhere else, and it changes the dynamic so much so drastically, then you could consider the environment a character. Well, maybe Sex in the City was a bad example then, because the jungle is actually it seems to be a living, breathing character. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it, it's acting on its own. It's acting in ways to affect the rest of the characters and, you know, their own, uh, their own sanity and their own decision making and just. I mean, and, and we're going to see more of that throughout, especially the rest of the season and how that affects how everything is. I, well, maybe a better example would be, and I know this isn't a series that you watched because it's horror, but uh, Haunting of Hill House. Uh, oh, the house. The house itself is a character uh, because it is something that is producing these different experiences that these ca- that these other characters are going through. Uh, and that's very similar to, as you mentioned, what the jungle is doing to these characters as well. Now, yes. I mean, I, we do find out later on it's because of certain elements of the jungle that are doing these things. Well, no, not necessarily, because I don't think we ever find out the mystery of the horse. I, right. I, it's just something that's this episode and that's it. Well, and Walt's showing up in visions because Walt's not sitting there drenched, you know, in water talking backwards to Shannon. You know, yeah. and not everybody sees Walt. I mean, Saeed saw Walt, but not everybody sees Walt. You know, uh, Christian Shepherd is not, you know, traipsing through the jungle. Yeah, it's more just a vision. Right. So, you know, there are there are elements to the jungle that are unexplained, but they are affecting each and every character uh, from from the beach or the hatch or the, the plane. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I never really considered the jungle in itself to be a character, but it it most certainly is. <clears throat> so that was mine. What what about you? What's your next one? Uh, my next one is I want to go back to Jin for a moment. Um, okay. Not not porno Jin. Um, just Jin. Just Jin. Fine. In general, and there's one particular scene in this episode that I think really sparks a big transition for Jin. Um, I know what it is. We we see Jin in the hatch and we see Locke uh, not just snip the handcuffs off of Jin, the handcuff cuff off of Jin finally, but, you know, they're both actually really happy about this. Like you see Jin's got, or Locke's got a huge smile on his face that he's able to help Jin. But the thing to me that really sticks out, uh, that really sparks this transition of Jin for me is... This entire episode, this is the first time Jin has spoken nothing but English. He only says two words, but we never hear him speak Korean at all in this episode. So, you know, to see that handcuff removed, which is something that has been bound to him for a long time, since middle of, if not beginning of season one, uh, you know, we're seeing this change in his character by seeing that removed and hearing him speaking English. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward from this point, I think it I think it does turn out to be more English than Korean. So this to me, I think really sticks out uh, um, as that moment when we really start to see that transition in Jin. I love Jin. That's <laughs> such a great point. 
It is. It it that that's a really I'm glad that you brought that up because him losing his handcuff, I think that that's also just him shedding kind of who he was before he left on the raft and now he's back. He brought Sawyer back. You know, Michael's back. They all went through something. He's reunited with his wife, who he didn't reconcile with until moments before he even got on the raft in the first place. So, yeah, we're we're seeing Jin 2.0. Yeah, yeah which is wonderful. Sure. I agree. So that's great. Yeah, not a lot more to say to that. I just love that that scene, and you know, hearing Jin say thank you to John, uh, in, you know, in in English and and very clear English. Like it doesn't even look like he's struggling to say those words. You know, he's he's not just speaking English. He's confident in the English that he's speaking. Well, the words that he knows. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and I like that he shared a moment with Michael. Yes. You know, those two have really kind of become uh, quite the solidified unit. Yeah. And we get to see a lot more of them, uh, at, you know, as the show progresses as well. Yeah, I like those two. They're a good friendship. Um, what's your next point? <sighs> um, <laughs> well, since we just talked about Jen, we'll go over to Michael and it's Michael ruins everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear this one. Well, okay. So I, Michael, man, it's like he takes two steps forward and one step back all the time, all the time. You know, he's been doing really well. You know, he's wanted to get Sawyer back and he's wanted to find a son. And, you know, he's been he's been really a, a good team player, you know, lately. And, you know, he's in the hatch. And I love that nobody has really inspected the hatch. Michael, you know, he's such a construction guy. He wants to go through and find out what is this made from? How is it made? Why is this here? Why is that there? I mean, that's somebody who knows uh, buildings really well, which he has proved time and time again that he understands structures. He builds them. He built the raft. He helped build tents, I'm sure, and and irrigation (laughs) and, and everything, right? But he's like, oh, can I check out the computer equipment? And you see Locke. Locke is hesitant because Locke's like, mm, I don't know, man. We're not supposed to fool with this. And you're you're somebody that tinkers a little bit. But he says, don't break it. Okay, fine. You can take a look at it, whatever. But don't break it. And what does he do? He's listening to the video. He's listening to the missing piece of tape. Don't use the computer. Just put in the numbers. Don't do anything else with this computer. We don't know what's going to happen. You could have another incident. We, you know, things have kind of gotten a little wonky, blah, blah, blah. And in that moment, in that moment, hello? And you see Michael. He's like, okay, I'm going to talk to somebody. And he looks like he's having like a date, you know, like old AOL chat rooms, you know? (laughs) ASL, age, sex, location. Yeah, and so you see him, though, and he's just, like, he's typing, and he's got this little, like, sing-songy look in his eye, you know? He's like, oh, well, my name is Michael. Who's this? Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And the whole time, it's like, did you not? I mean, you didn't hear it, like, a day ago. You heard it, like, 30 seconds ago, man. Don't touch the computer. Don't communicate on the computer. And then what happens? The computer fucks with him. Oh, Dad? And I know what happens after this. 
So it's just Michael ruined everything. <laughs> That's my whole point. Michael, Michael's the worst in this episode. All right. Michael's I, the worst. You know what? I'm going to play devil's no. advocate just for for <laughs> one for one for one point in particular okay and right. i i'm agreeing with you completely that michael <laughs> ruins everything but i i want to i i want to play devil's advocate for just a second all right but just a second just a second there yeah. is in that conversation that john and michael are having there, there's that moment that john says until four minutes before the timer goes off you can't do anything like and he's pushing buttons like to show him this doesn't work like it it does nothing while until four minutes before the timer goes off but yet as john proves to him that you can't do anything with the computer and then they watch the video all of a sudden now he has the ability to do something and i think maybe there's something that kind of sparks in michael like maybe i can do something that nobody else could do and that's why he does it. But then you're right. The whole thing gets ruined with dad. Like, <clears throat> are you really that gullible to think that? I mean, that that's possibly somebody not just playing with you. Okay. Obviously, somebody's watching them in the hatch. Yes. Okay. Because you see this little bit of tape and then. All of a sudden, coincidentally, ah, coincidence versus fate. Coincidentally, <laughs> uh, you see hello on the computer and it works. And, and and it's not even the fact that maybe if he had like some trepidation about it, I would feel differently. But I swear to you, it looked like somebody swiped right or left or whatever it is on <laughs> Tinder. And he just got like real excited. Ooh, my name's Michael. I mean, you see it. He has a little grin on his face and he's bopping around in his head. I mean, it's that's not a reaction of somebody who's trying to solve a mystery. That's somebody who's like playing with something that they shouldn't and they know it. Well, that goes right to my point of how, like, maybe something is different for him in that, well... Oh, because he's special uh, and, everybody and he's was, more special than everybody Everybody was else. swiping one direction on everybody else, but yet now they swiped his direction for just him. <laughs> like, he was the chosen one out of everybody that they, <laughs> they were scrolling through. So now he has to interact with it. Um, but you're right. I mean, somebody is very obviously watching them and... That it, it's so funny because that one moment leads to the downfall of two characters. Yeah, which is well, coming up sometime relatively soon within I think the next like three or four episodes. So just him typing, "This is Michael. Who is this?" New phone. Who did? <laughs> New number. Who did? <laughs> um, you know. Oh God. Now I'm just thinking like you up. It's just all these weird these weird text chats um but yeah that just this one particular moment of him sitting down and responding to that computer is going to lead in the end to the downfall of two characters and he doesn't say hey luck come look at this at at the computer that you've been sitting at for you know a week yeah like hey you told me this doesn't work what's this yeah i mean all you had to do is turn and call over your shoulder you weren't alone yeah. That's he ruined everything. Michael ruined everything. <laughs> that was Michael. I mean, Michael does provide redemption by the end of 
close to the end of this series, but it's still yeah. a ways. It's still a ways off. Yeah, we're in season two. I know. Man. It's still a ways <laughs> off before he's going to get any kind of redemption for this moment. He's about to take like ten steps back. Yep. Yeah, because not only does this moment lead to the downfall of these two characters, as I've mentioned, it's at his hand. Which yeah. makes it even worse. You're right. He's about to take like 25 steps backwards. Well, so do you think that maybe they changed his character and his character arc when they realized that they probably couldn't use Walt for what they probably wanted to use I, Walt for? I think at this point, yeah. I think they were probably preparing to write off Walt and make the changes to Michael's character to make it happen. Boom. Because I think, and I think that's the thing. I think you couldn't write off Walt without Michael, without using Michael to do it. Yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, short of killing Walt or like having, short of like having Michael just happenstance run across, you know, run across Walt's dead body in the jungle, there's really no way to write Walt off properly without using Michael's character to do it. And I think you're right. I think this is the point where we're kind of starting to see that. And I think... I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, this is probably also the point in which production, from a production standpoint, this is when the personal moments happened in the lives of those other two characters. So they were getting ready. They, I think this one particular moment was them getting ready to write off three characters. That's such a bummer. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, it happens. And it, it sucks that it happens because the one character, as we mentioned, is one we would have loved to have seen more from. Uh, yeah. So much more from. Uh, yeah, I really wish that Ana Lucia was on the Spoiler! Time. I don't care. <laughs> I know, we've, we've mentioned it. Spoilers. I've, we've already I, talked about her death in the earlier episode. So it's, yeah, you know. everybody, look, Michelle Rodriguez doesn't last long on the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. Michelle Rodriguez got real drunk in Hawaii, and she didn't She didn't get to keep her job. Nope. Nope. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> they had to write her off because I think, I think it was a drunk, not a drunken disorderly. I think it was a DUI. Yeah. She got real. She She's like, well, I'm in Hawaii. I'm on a show. It's real popular. I'm going to drink and party and lose my job. What's your? <laughs> you know what's so funny about that too is Michelle Rodriguez has the status, you know, has the state of mind like, oh, I'm gonna get drunk and celebrate the fact that I'm on this great show, you know, that's really popular, uh, and gets drunk and loses her job. Meanwhile, the rest of the cast is, oh, I'm on this great show. It's gonna last a while. I'm gonna buy a house. Right. Exactly. <laughs> in Hawaii, so I can move right. here. Right. Jorge Rodriguez and Daniel Day Kim yeah. stayed there. I think actually, I think ter no, Terry O'Quinn moved back home. I think he lived there for the um, the shooting of the show, but when the show ended, he moved back because he's from he's from Delaware. Oh, Biden country. Yeah, Uncle Joe. Uncle uh, Joe. <laughs> Uncle Joe and John Locke sharing a burger on a train. Oh, there's a spinoff I want to see. John I Locke and Joe Biden. I just want to see. Yeah, <laughs> let's see what kind of trouble they get in this week. <laughs> I'm just picturing it. <laughs> the Delaware boys. It's, it's oh my god, that's Delaware perfect. Boys. That's perfect. The <laughs> Delaware boys. All I'm seeing is a picture of <clears throat> of um, Terry O'Quinn and Joe Biden, arms crossed, back to back, staring at the screen. The oh Delaware gosh, boys yes. <laughs> Delaware. wearing suits. 
<laughs> the Delaware Boys. Why is it? <clears throat> Sorry, every episode we come up with this strange pop culture reference. Because it's great. <laughs> because what, what was it last week with Sawyer? What else are we going to do with all of our stupid pop culture information that's jammed into our brain? What did we do with Sawyer last week? Because I, it stuck in my head for a uh-huh. while. Who's worse? Jackson. That's it. Who's worse? Sawyer. That's it. Because uh, believe it or not, like the next day, I was actually going through my playlist on Amazon and Run's House from Run DMC came up and I just started laughing because I immediately started thinking Sawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Uh, so okay. What's so, your next point? It's uh, it's up to you, buddy. My my next point is one that I think you're probably gonna have fun talking about, uh, and that is Kate's confrontation of Jack, um, which turns into something a little different by the end of the confrontation. But you know, w- there is that particular moment in the beginning of it. You know, when Jack is confronting Kate and you know asking her what's wrong, why did she run out? And she turns, man, and she unloads on him for a second. And one of the biggest points that she makes is, I'm sorry, I'm not as perfect as you. You know, and the moment I heard that, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, shit, like Kate's not messing around. And she's calling Jack on his shit. Um, which I think this was something that kind of both of these characters needed. Mm-hmm. And because what happens after that is we get the first hookup between any of these three characters in this triangle of Kate, Jack, and Sawyer. And this is the first one. And it, it's funny that it leads to a moment later on with Jack and Anna Lucia. You know, like, when Anna Lucia says to Jack, "If you're not going to try and tell me that nobody is blaming me for this. And Jack returns with, as long as you don't try and tell me that women aren't crazy. And you know he's referring specifically to that moment with Kate. Mm-hmm. You know, because she kisses him and then just kind of runs away and leaves it with that right so but that whole confrontation between jack and kate uh you know was just one of those moments where i was i had actually completely forgotten about uh and yeah like kate calling jack out on his shit was that's a that's a big pivotal moment because i think she's the first person to do it you know it it's funny because there okay so there's a few different things i want to say about this scene the first first of all what asshole comes up on a crying woman and just starts insulting her and yelling at her even more dude she's crying okay at least get her to stop crying and then you can yell at her about the hatch and sawyer maybe 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 you know we saw that he has a tender side because at the beginning of this episode, he was really nice to Sawyer. Yeah. He was really nice to Sawyer. I said, oh, there's your bedside banner, buddy. Good job. You found it. <laughs> and you did it to Sawyer. You're so cool. And then he comes up on Kate. He doesn't like to treat Kate very well, though. He he just, he's not good at it. And then, you know, she turns around. And as you say, she's finally had it. And she kind of unloads on him. And he's right. Where is this coming from? Like, it, it is out of the blue. Her anger towards him is completely out of the blue. Um, it could be that it's, you know, 48 days, 50 days of constant abuse from him. But whatever. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but when she kisses him, you know, and it's not until you start breaking this down that I had this thought. So... She has been so worried 
it seems, her whole life about the fact that she didn't want the darkness that her fa- that her biological father had in her. And the, just the mere existence of him reminded her that she could never be good, that she could never have anything good. And Sawyer reminds her of that. And she just doesn't want to be reminded of that. And I think that what she's overlooking is that she is more like her mom. Uh, you know, she's got this guy, Jack, who on paper is much like uh, her stepfather, her, not her stepfather, but like who she thought was her dad for a really long time. And he's, you know, Jack is on paper a very good man. He's, you know, he's got a really good job. He seems to be got his head screwed on straight. You know, he's kind of vanilla. And while she's drawn to him and he's obviously a smart choice, you know, there's Sawyer. And Sawyer's clearly not good for her. He's a dick. He's abrasive. He's real rough. Um, You know, we know that he's a con man. So, but she is like almost magnetized to him and it bothers her because it's so much like being magnetized. It's so much like, Sawyer is so much like Wayne. And what I don't think she realizes that she is being her mom and not Wayne in the fact that, you know, she clearly wants to choose Jack, but she can't help but go back to Sawyer every single time. Yeah. Now, I, you know, it's it's very interesting to the dynamic that you made, because that's not something that I I kind of put together in in this episode when I was watching. Like, I very much saw how she reflected uh, Sawyer in being like Wayne, because she flat out says it when she's giving that speech to Sawyer when he's unconscious right before he wakes up. But I never made the comparison to Jack being like the man that she thought was her father, who, who in essence was really her stepfather. Right. Um, yeah, I, I never put those two together um, until now, until you mentioned it. And it really makes me realize one thing in particular, and that is the fact that Kate, well, it's something that we kind of knew, and uh, but is very clear at this point is Kate has a lot of daddy issues. In the fact that she's reflecting oh, in yeah. these, she's reflecting in these two men, father figures, mm-hmm. you know. And, but yet she's romantically interested in them both, you know. And, and that's kind of uh, a little creepy in a way that you think about it. Well, not really. I mean, you know, it it it's thought that you know women marry their fathers or or men yeah. that are you know a lot like their fathers, and you know she had these two probably equal representations of the father figure growing up. And I would say that she's probably really confused by that. You know, she probably, she probably feels a lot of guilt over killing Wayne. Um, even though she's not sorry for it and she's, she's glad that he's dead. She probably feels guilt anyways, because it's also kind of what led her into her exile and probably onto that Island. No, it led her onto that Island, you know? Um, And she's so screwed up over it that, you know, so so let me ask you a question. Okay. Was that Wayne channeling through Sawyer? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I I totally think that was Wayne that was kind of possessing Sawyer for the time or channeling himself 
uh, who else could it have been? Well, I mean, did she? Do you think she imagined it? Because uh, there were no marks on her neck, and she was being choked. I don't know. You know, that's that is a good point. I didn't really think of that. Um, yeah, I never, I never really thought about the fact that it could have been something she imagined, and she kind, it kind of shook her up to the. No, you know what? I don't think it was. I think it really happened because otherwise, I mean, the only other thing that I could, because of the fact that Sawyer was out of bed, I, I think that that happened because of that struggle. Hmm. I, I think that she, that Sawyer woke up, uh, being channeled from from Wayne. Um, you know, put his hands around her throat. I think she kind of escaped and it yanked Sawyer out of bed and she ran. Uh, you know, she ran terrified. So, I mean, it's, I I, I think it was real. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it was something, I think it's, but again, it could go back to that whole faith versus coincidence thing and that it could be a pure coincidence that Sawyer just happened to fall out of bed because Kate wasn't there. Right. Oh, interesting. You know, it, it, it I think it depends on the way you look at it. But I mean, because, it, if it did happen, uh, and he really was, it really was Wayne channeling through Sawyer. Hey, uh, it's strange, but stranger things have happened and will happen on that island. Right, right. And Sawyer saw the horse. Yes. So I mean, if if he saw the horse, then something must have happened to him. Yes. I don't know. I can't. I can't make sense of it. And um, since I have kind of covered both of my last points in this discussion, I would like for you to now talk about the horse. Okay, uh, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as the Sawyer and Kate interaction with Wayne, uh, I think it's a matter of perspective at this point. I think you mm-hmm. can look at it either way, and either way holds water. You know, it, it's whether she imagined it or if it really happened. I think there's evidence uh, or lack of evidence rather to kind of prove or disprove either way um there there is an element of everybody seemingly think uh, everybody thinking that they are going insane yes i mean at one time or another every person that is character that is focused in on this island in like their little own capsule episodes there is the question of insanity that is brought up every time yeah i mean let's i mean we have you know, John, with his visions, you know, he had the vision of the plane before Boone died. We had Sawyer being stalked by, felt he was stalked by a boar. <laughs> he uh, was being stalked by a boar. Stalked by a boar. <laughs> Jack seeing visions of his father. Uh, there, Yeah, there, you're right. There's so many different situations in which. Charlie chased something through the jungle as well in one of his ap- episodes. Well, I don't, I don't think that's happened yet. Um what? I thought that it did because there's there's the when moment, he was kicking heroin. Yeah, there's the moment where um, because it's actually part of the discussion of the um, uh, the horse, and I'm looking for it now. It, it is mentioned in here because um, he he mentions in his discussion he he mentions something about seeing something in the jungle to Locke, and Locke tells him that it's not what he say what, what he saw, and. He mentions in his reaction to Locke, well, Kate saw a horse. So I, I think whatever it is okay. you're thinking of might not have happened yet. Um, but, you know, let's also not forget there's the polar bear in the jungle, which was real. Yeah. So it's not. Um, and there's also uh, the smoke Sa- monster. Uh, well, the smoke monster. And there's also Saeed and Shannon seeing Walt. 
So you're absolutely right. You know, there are a number of things, as you mentioned, that could make people think they're going insane. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's talk about the horse. Um, okay. Because again, this is a, a, I did a little research into this, and there's a bunch of things online about what the horse could potentially mean. Uh, and I, I think one of the biggest things, and I think this one is true no matter which way you look at it, uh, we, we do see a black heart, black horse, uh, black being a dark color. So in some ways, this could be a dark horse, which is also a reference to uh, a, like a shady kind of character. And the fact that Kate and Sawyer are the two that saw this, uh, you know, these are definitely dark horse characters. They, they've been very shady in their past lives and the things that they've done. You know, con Sawyer being a con man and Kate being a murderer. So I think it's rightfully so that, you know, this could just be symbolism that the two of these seeing this horse are showing that this dark horse are showing that these are dark horse characters amongst mm -hmm. this cast. Uh, that still doesn't explain the, the horse, though. So um, <laughs> one of the ongoing theories about what the horse could be is it's a manifestation. It's a manifestation of the monster of the black smoke monster, because mm -hmm. uh, I think we do find out a little bit later on that. I think the Black Smoke Monster was also Christian Shepherd, uh, was what Jack was seeing as Christian Shepherd. Uh, you know, and I think uh, the theory of the Black of the black Smoke Monster being the horse, or the horse being a manifestation of that monster, I think it definitely holds water. I, I, you know, this is a way, we mentioned in earlier episodes about how this island and the forces behind the island are throwing tests at these characters. Uh, and this black horse could be a test, not just of Kate, but also of Sawyer in some ways. Mm. More Kate than Sawyer, I think. Um, you know, but it's it's uh, I, I think that theory holds a little bit of water, a little bit of water as well. Um, let's see. One of the other theories is that the horse is Wayne reincarnated. Similar to the way Sawyer's boar was a reincarnation of the character that uh, that he killed. Which, eh, I don't know if I'd go with that one. It goes with, but see, it goes with her flashback. It does. It does. Um, but it's, it's also one of those things, too. Uh, sorry, I dropped the page. And she touched it. But it, one of the things, too, that is very interesting in the end scene when when both Sawyer and Kate see the horse uh, is the fact that Sawyer is actually the one that sees it first. Oh, that's true. Before Kate does. So we know for sure it's not a hallucination because of the fact that one, as you mentioned, Kate did touch the hoist, ho hoist, horse, <laughs> uh, but Sawyer also saw it before Kate did. Hey, you know what? Now that I think about it, Saeed saw Walt before Shannon did. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, because Shannon was the one chasing Walt, but when they were when they were stopped in the uh, when they stopped in the in the jungle, yeah, Saeed was the first person to see Walt, which actually kind of ties mm -hmm. into this one, and I I kind of believe this one a little bit. Uh, okay, the same way that Walt showed himself to Saeed, or Saeed was able to see it before Shannon. We had talked a little bit about how that was the fact that Saeed kind of had. Uh, inside had gotten a little bit of acceptance, you know, in that, you know, Shannon, it, it was, it was the way of showing that Saeed finally believed Shannon in what she was saying. Mm 
Mm. Uh, you know, it was it was a little bit of closure in that way. Uh, and this one here is showing that the horse is a sign that Kate herself has been saved, uh, you know, from most likely from her past. The, the horse showed up, uh, you know, in, in the beginning of the episode, it showed up in her past in when it jumped across the car to cause the crash. In a sense, then it was the horse saving her from the marshal from being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And now this final moment in the end when Kate is finally able to actually stop, see, and touch the horse. Because the first time the horse ran off before she had an opportunity. Now the horse is actually there to the point where Kate, and it's stopped and it's calm. Kate is actually finally able to tangibly touch this horse and accept the fact that the horse is real. This is Kate accepting that she has been saved from this situation. Gosh, wouldn't that be great if that was the truth? Yeah. And which we kind of never know, actually, mm-hmm. because we never see this horse again. I know. So, I mean, dance off with the polar bear. And there's a couple other theories, too, that, um, you know, some people saying that the horse escaped from the flame, which was one of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, God, what's the word? Um, one of the stations from, from Dharma. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dharma stations. The horse might have came out of Ben's magic box, which we do know there is another character that comes out of Ben's magic box a little bit later on. It sounds dirty. <laughs> it didn't until you said that. <laughs> uh, somebody else noting, too, that the horse is one of the ones that Charles Wintemore uh, uh, is riding on as one of the leaders of the others in the flash in the uh, the past. So well, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, symbolism of a horse represents freedom, strength, grace, and very often conflict of some. And black denotes negative aspects in horses more so than with any other animal totem. When paired with a white horse, a black horse represents death. Although, ironically, to dream of a white horse is to also invoke a death omen. Mm-hmm. Destruction as well as uh, rebellion are also bound up in the symbology of the horse, of the black horse, which all in all seems to be a metaphor for Kate's story as a whole, as well as Sawyer's. Hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of theories out there on what the horse represents. And I think... You know, I, I think it's a matter of just how you look at it. I think it's one another one of those moments in the series that it's meant, uh, you know, to the perspective of the viewer. I, I think it's 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 up to the it's up to viewer interpretation, and, and it's how you want to look at it. So Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, 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 Cuse. I think it's Carlton Cuse. Yeah. Uh, classify the horse as undead. Okay, so I guess and that means it it's says a survivor. A category and they otherwise reserve for forms of the man in black, which kind of goes to the theory that this could have been a manifestation, right? Um, another thing to think about too, if this is a manifestation of the black monster uh, of um, of Jacob, who we find. Oh no, it's not. Jacob isn't the black no. monster. Um, man in black. The man in black is the black monster. Um, did do we know did Jacob have the ability to do that as well or was it just the black smoke monster that could change form no I don't well hmm I don't remember because it's been a while yeah it it has been a while and I think something that we could potentially think about is we do find out when we get to meet Jacob and find out his connection to the island we do find out later on that Jacob has touched all of their lives previously he mm-hmm. literally left the island and 
you know, was a part of their lives when they were at key moments of their lives. We find out, you know, he well, was there. So the horse could have been something the horse could have been Jacob then trying that, because she had been caught. And had she not been able to she, escape, she would have never made it to the island. Right. Yes. So that's that's entirely possible. That's actually probably the best theory of them all. Because I had that fleeting thought while watching it. I was like, well, this horse means that she gets her freedom. And that's the whole coincidence versus fate theme. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, well, you yeah, you look at the book ending of the horse. The first time we see the horse is when it jumps in front of the car, which if that hadn't happened, as you mentioned, she would have never made it to the island. Because uh, mm -hmm. we do know that these characters are being tested. They've been groomed for this moment. Not mm -hmm. everybody on the plane has been groomed. There just happen to be extra survivors. Right. Uh, she's still on the list. But she's on the list. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, you know, so had that, had she been incarcerated, she would have never made it. So the horse, the first instance of the horse was the beginning of her journey to the island. And now seeing the horse again in this final moment when she touches it is her freedom. She is, she is free, not just from being incarcerated and being hunted but she is free from herself that she has finally accepted everything with wayne and she's finally come to terms with what she did so maybe the horse is like a symbolic reminder or of quite literal reminder of um to kate to say this horse is why you're free so now I'm going to bring this up again. I'm going to I'm I'm giving this horse back to Kate again uh, on the island just to kind of represent the fact that you're free here. You're fine here. Like you can relax now. Yeah. That that's a great point. That's that's interesting. That actually I and and it makes me think maybe we should start keeping a list of the names of episodes that we think Jacob is has an impact has an impact in their flashback. Because I'm sure that if we kept a running list of of the flashback episodes that we think that we, we see Jacob like as the horse or whatever, um, I, that could be a very interesting um, little side project. Yeah, and, and thinking about it, I don't know if we've seen an instance where this could have been the case yet. I think this might be the first one. But I yeah, if anybody that's listening thinks that this has happened already, please uh, send something in and, and tell us because I'm interested in this. This is something that um, I th this kind of gets the hairs on the back of my neck up. Yeah. I love stuff like this. I love puzzles. Um, and to think that this is, you know, forming now, I, I think is just wonderful. It's, it's quite lovely. And it really goes to the point, too, that we, you know, we've made before and a lot of people fight on, not fight us on, but just fight the fact that they just, they refuse to believe it, is that these, the writers and producers, they knew what they were doing with this series. I, I, I would agree with that. I, yeah. I, I think they might have maybe lose their footing every once in a while, which is why people started to believe like, hey, these guys don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going with this story. And I, I kind of refuse. Now that we're going back and we're kind of analyzing every episode, I refuse to believe that. I think mm -hmm. these guys had a plan mm -hmm. uh, for where this where these characters were going. And 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 I think we're starting to we're not starting to. We've been seeing it for a while. But this is just another instance of an example where we're seeing these guys knew where they were. They knew what they were doing when they mm -hmm. were writing these characters. Cause I mean, if, if you look at an episode like this and you look at the sample of the black horse and what the black horse could represent and how it could have been Jacob in the, in the past 
you know, leading her to the island, it's one of two things. It's either one, us overanalyzing absolutely everything, which I'm fine with, or <laughs> it's the fact that these guys had to put these these little Easter eggs in place in these characters for them to come back later because they knew they would. Mm-hmm. And I, I lean more into that. So. I would agree. I agree. <sighs> you know, I agree. I know. Of course I do. <laughs> um, any other final notes before we move on to uh listener feedback and get ready to wrap things up? Yeah. I loved, I, Loved Sawyer waking up thinking that he was that they had been rescued. <laughs> yes, just, son of a bitch. I just thought he's like, I'm in a bunk bed. Have we been saved? <laughs> <laughs> he's like walking through the hatch, looking around, going, "Come on, no, we've, we've been, been saved. We've been rescued. Like this, this has happened." And then Kate's like, "Hang on, wait for it." Like you yeah. could almost hear her saying, "Wait for it, wait for it." She takes him outside, and I, I just love that son of a bitch at the end. Like, he's just like, there's no escaping it. It's like yes. Groundhog Day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, another one of my favorite moments from the episode, too, is uh, uh, when Hurley approaches Jack as Jack is chopping wood. And it's just <laughs> it's just another one of those great moments of levity from Hurley. It's absolutely pointless. But, you know, he walks <laughs> walking up to Jack and like, so, Rose's husband's white. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) And Jack's first inclination every time is to be a dick. Yeah. Something you need, Hurley? No, man. I came over to just talk. (laughs) I mean, and that's and that's another point to to be made about this is that when it comes to these characters, like it seems like every time they're having conversations, there has to be some kind of deeper meaning about it. And then you get this moment with Hurley where Hurley's just like no, I just want to be friendly and shoot the shit. Like, there's yeah. no, I have no ulterior motive. Like, I'm just yeah, trying, like I'm, trying I'm to be friends, man. He's <laughs> like, just taking a walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just trying to make small talk. And how do you do that? So, Rose's husband's white. Didn't see that coming. Didn't like, see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love I did it. Like that a lot. I did. I also, um, I also enjoyed. Uh, Charlie, uh, who was he talking to? Now I have to. Oh, to Kate, where he's like, where where he was talking about Ana Lucia, and you get the feeling. I always get the feeling that Charlie's going to go along with whatever the crowd is saying. You know, he kind of goes with the swell of 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 hysteria or calm or whatever. You know, he he's a nice representation of of the crowd, and it's it's apparent that most of the group really does understand that Ana Lucia shooting Shannon was an accident and Charlie admitting that and saying you know he goes I don't think that the one that shot her is coming though I think that would be a little awkward yeah and then he says he goes it looks like they had a rough time of it out there though I mean it looked like they came back looking like Lord of the Flies and (laughs) And I thought yeah and that's really what it was yeah (laughs) So I, I just love, I appreciate the fact that Charlie seems to have just knowing what Charlie's attitude is at any given moment in the series, I feel is a nice representation of the group as a whole. And not only that, you know, on the on the thought of Charlie, too, one of the things I absolutely love about Charlie when we get Charlie scenes is I love when we get moments of Charlie sitting down and playing his guitar. 
Yeah. Because those moments seem to me at the point where Charlie is the most grounded. Like, mm-hmm. he is just in his element. There's no thoughts of heroin. There's no thoughts of protecting Claire and Aaron. He is literally just in his moment. He's in his element. And it's just Charlie being Charlie at its purest form. So moments when we get Charlie, just even if it's just the camera passing by, moments when we get Charlie playing guitar, I absolutely love when we get them. Even if they're yeah. just for a second. I, I love them. I agree. I completely agree. Nice, nice, calm moments. Like Hurley with his headphones. Yes, yeah. And that's actually what they've become akin to now because the headphones don't work anymore. <laughs> or or have we gotten to that yet? I don't think no, we've... No, the, the headphones died. Did we get to that? Okay, I yep. can't remember. Yeah, when the batteries die in the... In the, well, in the it was very display. sad. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, no, the... more, no more Hurley rap music. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That scene is so great. I love it. <laughs> he's walking across the beach with that song playing. Yeah, it's I love perfect. it. Uh, I I just have one final note, and it's sure. um, just two moments of foreshadowing that we get from this episode. Obviously, you mentioned earlier the blast doors that Michael notices, uh, which come into play in a big way a little bit mm-hmm. later on uh, down the episode. But we also mentioned uh, when uh, when John fixes the film and he inserts that we get think one of the first mentions of the incident the incident which does not come into play for a while but it is a big moment uh, when you find out what the incident is and when you realize that the people that are involved and who caused the incident you've already met them one of them is in the hatch right now yes Exactly. It's one of those things that blows your mind. Is that the fact? Now is then, and then is now. Yep. And everything is upside down. You. It's. It's one of those things that the incident happened in the past. It happened years ago. But the people responsible, you've already met them. Most of yep. them. There's one you haven't met yet. You sound like an announcer right now. You've already met them. You've already met them. Moving on. Meanwhile. uh any final notes on your end uh no i'm good all right uh so with that being said we are going to move over to our listener feedback and of course as usual we have a voicemail left to us by our buddy steve so let's go ahead and we'll play that now hello ben and Kristen. this is steve and said a couple quick notes on what kate did Uh, i thought it was interesting it's entirely random and we'll probably never know anything about it but i thought it was interesting the very first shot of the episode shows someone who's standing on the ocean it looks like they're spear fishing i just wondered who that was i don't know why just that random thought when it started and then uh, listening to uh, saeed's uh, eulogy just reminds me how well uh, and how great of an actor uh, Nadine andrews is and just uh, love his portrayal um the dropping of the sand i noticed have we seen that before when they buried someone or have we never seen the actual burial of someone i thought that was that was interesting how each person it seemed like each person of the group was going to walk past and then drop a uh, or handful of sand in uh always love her least comedic relief moments so rose's husband is white didn't see that one coming that was was pretty funny and uh, uh his reminding us that he was in a mental hospital uh, again, he just, I, I think I love this. One of the things I love about this character is he's so open about his life. And even though people don't believe him about the riches and things like that, he's still very open about it. And 
Lastly, I think Kate's comparison of Sawyer to Wayne, I, I think it was unfair because we haven't seen that from Sawyer. I don't think, uh, maybe I've misinterpreted what he's done, but I don't think we've seen anything as bad as what apparently Wayne was doing. So I think that's an unfair comparison. Of course, she's entitled uh, to her opinion. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. Nice. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, maybe that's the problem that I had with the connection between her flashback and the, um, and, and what was going on with Sawyer and the Island is because I didn't, I also did not see, uh, I, 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 hmm. Okay. Start over. (laughs) I do agree that it was an unfair comparison. I don't think that Sawyer has proved uh, more than once that he is not um, evil. And I think that Wayne was evil. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a, this is a guy that, you know, was basically hitting on and trying to get with his own daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think the question bears is, did was Wayne aware that Kate was really his daughter? But I don't really think it matters. It doesn't change the situation. It, if nothing, it just makes it worse what he was doing. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yes. I, I kind of akin Steve's point, too, about, like, it, I, I agree. It's not a fair assessment of, to compare Sawyer to Wayne. Because she's lived with Wayne practically her whole life, and she's only known Sawyer for 40-something days. Uh, mm-hmm. So to make that comparison is not fair. But I do make a comparison uh, from what we were discussing a little bit earlier uh, of Steve to Mr. Echo in that, you know, <laughs> bear with me on this. I just like the fact that Steve was like, I don't think it's a fair assessment that Kate was, you know, making that comparison of Wayne to uh, to, to Sawyer. But she's entitled to her own opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, you know, kind of like the way we were talking to Mr. Echo. It's like, but I mean you no harm. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> I just made that comparison. If you don't mind. If you don't mind. Um I I completely agree with what Steve said too about the acting of Naveen Andrews. That I love him. That funeral scene where he pretty much just sums up everything he had to say with "I loved her" and then mm-hmm. walks away. Like it's so moving, sad moving, but it's still moving, and it's just yeah, it's wonderful acting by Naveen Andrews. Yes, absolutely. I completely completely agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Other than that, yeah, I don't really know what else. I don't really have anything else to say other to to that feedback unless you do. No, I'm good. All right. Uh, but we encourage all of our listeners, obviously, to leave us feedback if people have done in the past. And there are multiple ways that you can do that. Uh, first things first, we are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Lost Revisited. We are on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. You can email us at Lost Revisited Pod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave a message like our friend Steve Brown does, you can record yourself and send it to our email address and we'll play it. Yes. Uh, Last but not least, we just want to encourage you to listen to – we want to thank you for listening to this, obviously, but encourage you to check out all of the other wonderful programs on both the Podcastica and Next Level Podcast Networks, including uh, your House Podcastica podcast, which you do every week. My mm-hmm. DC podcast, which I do every week, which we got a huge bombshell to talk about on our show this week. Uh, that when we record this weekend, due to one of the shows coming to an end. 
I heard about that. Yeah, which is actually something we've been calling for months now. We we had a feeling the show was probably going to end, but uh, the outpouring of fan love for um, for the actors from the show and the show itself has been amazing since they officially announced it yesterday. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about that this week. And, of course, uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to is we know Jason and Karen, who pretty much... Jason, who started Podcastica, and Karen, who started the first podcast with him, uh, with, you know, Walking Deadcast, uh, they're going to be starting a new show relatively soon with the Jason and Karen show. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to entail, but I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, I don't even care. I don't don't either. (laughs) I'm just really excited. Yes. I agree. I am too. I can't wait to see what's uh, going to come of that. And uh, I don't know if there's a timetable yet, but I think they were talking either by the end of the month or April. I think. I can't. I'm not 100% sure. Well, I don't care yet. It's going to be really fun. Yes. But we'll let you know once it launches on our podcast. And if not, you can always check out uh, podcastica.com, which is where all the podcasts are listed. And I think or the next level network.com. Yes. Uh, or Facebook.com slash podcastica. Or, or Facebook.com. Facebook one with the next level network. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Facebook.com slash the next level network. There you go. See? Um, you got it. <laughs> but as but as always, I always have a ton of fun podcasting with you. Me too, friend. It's just I, I love it. It's. I don't care if there's I we, I know there's a good listenership for this podcast now, which is great and we love it. But I don't care if nobody listened. I would still do this every week with you. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. And I do. And I love I love the fact that we um, have our listeners. And thank you so much for, you know, letting us invade your ear space once a week. And I love the fact that like a lot, this has given people an excuse to go back and rewatch lost, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, people have been excited to be able to do that. And (laughs) I like that we give people the ability and the platform or at very, at the very least the excuse to do that because we're having a great time going back. and (laughs) This is actually not the only show I've decided to go back and rewatch. I actually started another one last week. Cool. Uh, I went back and I've restarted uh, my rewatch of Chuck. Which, ah, which, you need to watch New Girl. I know. I'm I'm going to start this week, I promise. Okay. So it's in my queue and it's... You at heard the, it here, peeps. It's at the top of my list uh, of my queue to do. So, uh, But as always, we want to thank you guys for listening, as we mentioned before. Um, but uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of We Have to Go Back. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about, as we mentioned, it's going to be an Echo... Uh, backstory with the 23rd uh, 20 is it psalm or palm psalm. it's psalm right psalm. yeah uh, yeah it's not psalm that would be ridiculous uh, the, the 23rd psalm <laughs> which is uh, all about Mr. Echo which we cannot wait to talk about yay because he is such a great character and yes, he is. now we get his backstory which is fantastic yeah 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 but until that time we will see you guys further on down that rabbit hole take care bye We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!